ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 328th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to call this edition the 2020 NFL Draft Preview. We talked to Falcons General Manager Terry Fontenot and Head Coach Arthur Smith today as we're just less than 48 hours away from the draft. The Falcons have nine picks in this draft, five in the top um, 82, and nine picks overall. And so they could uh, be active or they could sit there and get some players here that they can uh, add to the talent pool and try to continue to develop the team. We're going to discuss the quarterback issue. That's the big elephant in the room here uh, with them trading Matt Ryan to the Colts for a third-round pick. We'll get to that here about halfway through the podcast. But we're going to start right out with Terry Fontenot on how this is an extremely hard draft to predict. It really is tough to anticipate right now what's going to happen in the first 10 picks or the first 15 picks. So uh, it's tough, man. If you know, you tell me. And it's funny, my phone is I got a million calls because everyone wants to talk through the draft and wants to gather information. But um, I don't have the answers right now. That's why we got to be so prepared for a lot of different variables. So it, it's, it's t- it really is difficult to predict. This is a very unique draft. Yeah, no question about it. So we just also went to Terry and asked about the draft board. How's their draft board set? And when do they know uh, what they plan to do with the number eighth pick? Yeah, well, it's it's kind of like the question that was posed earlier that at eight right now where last year we had a – at this time as we're sitting here, we had a pretty good feeling about – or we knew who we were drafting unless something would happen trade-wise. or, But now it's completely different. We have our board set, but to know who's going to be there at eight um, or if we're going to stay at eight, move up or move down, there are so many variables. Um, I would say right now our board is set. But the hay is never in the barn. Um, we're continuing to work through things um, all the way up until and, and throughout the draft. We're constantly working on it. So our board is set. Um, we got the players up where we have them stacked. But we're always gathering information and, and always working through it. Yeah, no question about it. We're doing the same over here. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a group of players that could possibly be there at eight. And that's where they're at. That's where everybody is because nobody knows who's going one. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson was the, uh, you know, nominative, you know, was, uh, you know, a nominal number one. We're hearing that Trayvon Walker could shoot up to one because Trent Bulky likes to add athletic guys. Trayvon from the University of Georgia defensive tackle. So, you know, but we do know that three tackles are there. Icky, Charles Cross, and Evan Neal, they're going to probably be gone. They're going to be gone. I don't know in what order, but they're gone. Thibodeau, Hutchinson, and Trayvon Walker, they're gone. So then what's next? 
So that's six. They're gone. We're going. We we're under the premise that the three rushers and the three tackles are are gone by the time the Falcons pick at eight. So they're out the way. Get the three defensive ends and the three tackles out of the way in the top seven picks. Now the next person is uh, Sauce Gardner. So if it breaks like that, then the Falcons are looking at uh, Jermaine Johnson. That's who we have in the last mock draft. One of those guys slipped through to him. They'll take one of those six guys. He said he's going to do best player available. Then you also got the receivers. You know, Garrett Wilson, we have him ready to head of Drake London. We're seeing Drake London show up in some mock drafts. Peter King had Drake London to the Falcons uh, in his mock draft. You know, they do need a big receiver, an A.J. Brown-type guy to fit into this offense. So, you know, don't discount Drake London. But we have five guys. We're going. The story's not all the way done, but that's where we're at with it. Five guys on the Falcons' radar screen, and uh, Wilson's going to be in that group. Charles Cross, if he gets through, he's the third tackle on our board. You know, Evan Neal, I don't, th- I don't see him getting through. But um, you know, that's where they're at. That's why I'm saying this is unique because last year, you remember, the three quarterbacks were gone, and they knew that already going in. They had like. They kind of had the de facto number one pick in the draft and went with Kyle Pitts last year. So that's what he was saying about the cluster at eight. They can go up or down. And, you know, every GM says that on the eve of the draft. He doesn't really want to go. You know, he might. You got to remember the Julio trade, but I don't think it's a type of talent in this draft to go up unless you're just going up a couple spots to get one of the tackles. So, up or down, and going down makes sense. A mass picks go down. It's eight teams that are in this draft without any first round picks. So, uh, you know, there is a lot of teams with two picks, eight that don't even have a first round pick in this draft. So let's move on to Coach Arthur Smith. He was asked if he looks more at the player's floor or the ceiling. Yeah, I think sometimes it probably more the floor. You know, I think anything else that you get, you're certainly trying to enhance and develop. But uh, that's certainly where mine goes. It doesn't say it's right or wrong, but that's just how my mind operates. You know, the floor, that means, okay, he's only going to be this good. He's not projecting that, okay, if we do X, Y, and Z, we're going to turn him into Lawrence Taylor. So that that makes sense to me that uh, he would – he would stay on the floor. But, you know, you as a scout, you want to project out, hey, hey, if this kid, um, you know, lifts weights and, uh, you know, maybe the kid from uh, Joshua Williams from Fayetteville uh, State, if he lifts weights and his body, um, you know, gets bigger and stronger, you know, coming from D2, maybe in three years he's a pro bowler. You know, you got to do some projection. So, uh, but the floor probably keeps you humble, whereas, you know, you're not looking – in the sky ceiling on some guys so that's uh coach smith's approach here now we're gonna stay with coach smith here and we want to know how he balances the difference between the best player available and their needs which they have plenty of i think when you get yourself in trouble i mean if things are even i think your tendency is to go if you want to say need but the way you got to trust the process and the way your, your board sets so if it's even yeah, there's certainly a tendency to go more than need, but you don't want to sit there and if you got to trust your evaluation process, your scouts, and everything. You all this work put in just because of the pressure of the clock is to overdraft somebody and bring them off. I think you get yourself in trouble. So that's why I think you get best player available. There's always exceptions, but that you try to stay consistent in that regard. 
Yeah, no question. Uh, best player available. They've been consistent every time we ask that question uh, since they were hired. The, they stay with the best player available. Now, what they're saying here is, okay, uh, you're at eight. Nate Davis, uh, Jordan Davis, I'm sorry. You're at eight. Jordan Davis is a very good player, but it's like 10 players ahead of him. So you're not going to reach for Jordan Davis at eight. You're going to take the best player available. Now, we've seen it in reverse here where the Falcons drafted Jamal Anderson at eight. But Daryl Revis was sitting there. Marshawn Lynch was sitting there and Patrick Willis. Jamal was not better than any of those guys. He was he was never going to be. Maybe he was. But they, they needed an end, so they took an end. Instead of taking a linebacker, a cornerback, or a running back, who was, you know, went on to, two of them are Hall of Famers. Maybe the third one is too. So you can't do that at eight. You get in trouble. And that's why uh Terry and Arthur say take the best player available. Now we're gonna start on the quarterback class right here. Uh, got some interesting uh, items for you with that class. And uh, we got a, you know, going to do a little, we had a little breakdown. We had a little research project that Coach referred to. Uh, he was surprised I didn't go back further than I did with my research project. But when we're talking about quarterbacks, uh, we want, um, we wanted to ask Fontenot, what does he need to see to take a quarterback in this class here? I don't think it's that. Simple as a, look, we evaluate. We spent a lot of time with this quarterback draft class this year. We spent a lot of time with the draft class last year, did a lot of work. And um, we could, obviously, we're not going to give away what we're going to do at eight or any other pick, but we could come out of this draft with a quarterback. Um, we want to add to that room, and, and we'll see what happens. But we do a lot of work on this class. We did a lot of work on this class just like we did last year. All right, there's a general manager. Terry Fontenot discussing the quarter, quarterback situation for this draft. Here it is. Here are the top five guys. Depending on who you talk to, if you talk to Mark Bradley, number one is Kenny Pickett. A lot of people believe Malik Willis is the number one quarterback. And uh, Mark Bradley's column on, he says, hey, take Pickett. Uh, that's on AJC.com. Go get that. And then uh, third quarterback, arguably, is Matt Correll from Mississippi. Then Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, and then um, Sam Howell from North Carolina. They're projecting as late first-round guys, according to Daniel Jeremiah. So, there again, you're at eight. Do you take Malik Willis when, you know, there are like four players better than him just to get your quarterback in-house, maybe ex excite the fan base, uh, you know, and so forth. I don't think these guys are going to do that. They keep saying they're going to take the best player available. So that's a, you know, that's the situation at quarterback. Now the name to keep your eye on, if you know, because they're probably not going with quarterback at eight. When you get into the second round, the name to keep an eye on is Carson Strong from Nevada. Carson Strong from Nevada is the one to keep your eye on. He's the next tier guy. Uh, they might, you don't want to overdraft them, but they're going to add to the quarterback room and um, they'll have a chance to do it here in this draft. So we still got a lot more quarterback talk to, um, to get to, but right now we're going to toss to the break. This is the Bowtie Chronicles podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean Breeze. 
tropical beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, all right, we're back here at the 328th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast, and we got a lot of quarterback quarterback talk here in the second half. Uh, we're going to hear from Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith, then I'm going to break down some of our research we did. Uh, with regards to the front office people, the decision makers that are inside the building at 4400 Flowery Branch, and their history with drafting quarterbacks going back to 1988. That's when uh, Rustin Webster started with Tampa Bay. So, you know, all these guys have seen a lot. Rustin's been a GM. Phil Emery's been a GM. Ryan Pace has been a GM. They've drafted quarterbacks. They've hit on quarterbacks. They've missed on quarterbacks. Now their challenge is to hit on the quarterback. Whether they do it this year or next year, they still got a history on quarterbacks, and they need to, to um, you know, get the franchise quarterback in here. Now, you know, perfect world for Marcus Mariota. He was number two overall. He lost his job in Tennessee, was a reserve in, uh, with the Raiders. Maybe he can resurrect his career, then you don't need the franchise quarterback. But – we haven't seen that happen in uh, recent history. You know, Ryan Tannehill did a good job for Tennessee, handing the ball off to Derrick Henry. Uh, and then this year in the playoffs, he kind of imploded in that game against Cincinnati. Well, you know, this class is generally uh, not well received. It's not – Falcons might not get a quarterback where um, where they're picking, you know, and there's not a lot out there in free agency. Can't see them messing um, with Baker Mayfield, but we never – uh, foresaw them, you know, getting into Deshaun Watson Derby either. But, you know, a lot of folks are whispering, hey, uh, looks like, um, hey, maybe uh, next year is the year. Hey, it's good college quarterbacks at Ohio State, Alabama, and parts unknown. So we asked Terry Fontenot, will he look ahead to the next QB class when making a decision about this class? Well, we're, we're going to live in the moment. Right now, obviously, we we know the we have such a good scouting department, so they know they know players that are in high school that are already coming out, and they know the the freshmen and sophomores. And so, when we're watching crossover tape, you see the players, and you know what's coming up next. But that being said, I think you always have to live in the moment and do what's best uh, for your team. We're thinking big picture, but we're not going to say, "Hey, we might." get this player next year, so we don't want to get this player this year because there's so much that comes between. And you think about the time, and it's it's funny when you'll see a mock draft right after this draft for next year. Take one of those and then put it up next to the real draft, and it, it, it's comical, you know. So, we again, we have an excellent scouting staff that uh, makes us aware of everything that's coming in the future, but uh, we got to live in the moment and do what's best for our team right now. All right, that's very well um, understood. Uh, they got to try to do what's best for the team right now. 
Now, uh, we asked, I asked Arthur Smith, why is it so hard for people to get the quarterback right in the draft? Sure. I mean, D-Lo, there's a lot of variables that happen. Why guys are successful, why they're not. Uh, a lot of it's fit. You know, when you're, when you're taking a player, especially taking a quarterback, it really, you know, any, any portion of the draft to make sure you have a plan. And so you look at why, why certain players were, were successful, why they weren't. Uh, what, what you could possibly control, yeah, I mean, you take it. I don't think you ever dismiss a class uh, year after year. I think you need to understand the quarterback talent that's coming into the league. Uh, if you don't take one who you potentially would have to see, you have to face off against. Um, so a lot goes into it, but you certainly study history and, and why guys are successful, why guys aren't. Well, no question about it. That's what we try to do. We try to study history to figure out, um, you know, where the mindset is inside that building when it comes to drafting a quarterback. The story's online. It's called Falcons Have Decades of Experience at Drafting Quarterbacks. After trading, the subhead is after trading Matt Ryan team looking for its next franchise quarterback. So, you know, when Terry Fontenot was with the Saints, from 03 to 20, he was, you know, worked his way up from low-level scout. They kind of got lucky in 06. They did draft Adrian McPherson in the fifth round in 05. They were hoping he would be a starter. That didn't work out. They signed Drew Brees in 06, and so they didn't really need a quarterback until, you know, last couple years. So, but along the way, they drafted Sean Canfield from Oregon State in the seventh. Garrett Grayson from Colorado State in the third, and a Tommy Stevens from Mississippi State in the seventh. And now Ryan Pace, he was with the Saints too, but a different period from 01 to 14. And 02, they drafted JT O'Sullivan in the sixth round out of UC Davis. So, and then, you know, with the Bear, he, you know, the Saints get good. They win the Super Bowl. He gets the job in Chicago as the Bears. A general manager and so from 15 to 21 he 2017 and you know we should uh you know made a request to get him available to ask him about this because in 2017 he drafted Mitchell Trubisky over uh Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes they were sitting there they traded up to get him so you know um I haven't seen in Chicago or anywhere where they have expounded on that so uh, that didn't work out. Mitchell goes to Buffalo last year. He's with Pittsburgh now. Uh, former Ohio Player of the Year. Went to North Carolina. But he couldn't get in on at Ohio State. Uh, so, he, he, you know, just a good athlete. Just hasn't worked for him. That's what Coach Smith was talking about, the varials. Where you go, what they ask you to do, and so forth. So, they get Justin Fields last year. And then Pace gets... Um, fired after the season so Fields is up there playing for a new GM and a new coach now so those are you know the two of the you know main decision makers in the building for the Falcons and that's their drafting history of quarterbacks now Arthur Smith has been with um, Washington and Tennessee now he's a low-level assistant in Washington so you got to remember where the time is as they matriculate through their career and rise up the ranks and so forth so he's at Washington in 07, 08 when they draft Jordan Palmer, Carson Palmer's little brother, uh, from Texas El Paso in the sixth. And then Colt Brennan, sixth-round pick from Hawaii. 
I believe they played Georgia in a bowl game. But he threw for a mass of yards out there. So then he goes to Tennessee. And uh, I, this was um, one of my old coaches here with the Falcons, Charlie Baggett. He um, he called me from Washington. He was at Washington. He told me to start watching this kid in his sophomore year. He's going to be special, Ed. And, you know, he was a pretty good college player. A lot of people were high on him. And Tennessee took him in the uh, Jake Locker, eighth overall in the 2011 draft. Uh, things just first round, eighth overall out of Washington, Huskies. It just didn't go. It didn't go well. It didn't, um, you know, his record was, uh, it had trouble getting him on the field. Uh, got his record in the story. I think it was 16 and something. It was bad. Uh, and then he retired. He just quit. Uh, he did, he just quit. And I um, asked Arthur Smith about Jake Locker in, uh, at the owner's meeting, and he didn't want to talk about it. Okay. And then uh, they, they drafted Zach Mettenberger. Now, that was my, <laughs> he got in trouble up at Georgia, ended up at LSU. And I, re, I remember watching him, one of his spring games and him just launching the ball all over the place. Thought he uh, was going to be a good college player and pro. He made it for a little while. Uh, then Marcus Mariota in the second round of 15. Luke Falk, sixth round out of Washington State in 2018. And then Cole McDonald, seventh round uh, picks out of uh, Hawaii. So there's no hits there um, when he was with different teams. Now he's going to try to save Mariota. So um, that's one to keep an eye on. And the next man in line, um, you know, Terry's right-hand man is Kyle Smith, A.J. Uh, Smith's son, vice president of player personnel. He was with Washington football from 2011 to 20. And so he was there when they drafted RG3, Robert Griffin III in 2012, and Kirk Cousins in the same draft. We haven't seen that a lot, but they did it. They drafted Kirk Cousins, and I put Kirk Cousins in a group of guys that um, are okay. So that's a hit. It's a fourth-round hit, which is rare. Uh, you know, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, they're, they're uh, third and fourths, I believe. But, yeah, Kirk gets the contract with Minnesota. Redskins franchise him a couple times, and, you know, now he's um, near the end. But he's made it almost 10 years in the league, so we got to call that a hit. And then the last two, Nate Sudfield, uh, sixth round out of Indiana, and then uh, Dwayne Haskins, you know, who passed away recently in the car uh, accident. He was a first-round pick in uh, 2019, uh, left the team, was cut from the team, and was trying to res resurrect his career in Pittsburgh. Anthony Robinson has been with – he's the director of college scouting, so he's been orchestrating all the work that they've been doing on the quarterbacks – but he doesn't have a lot of experience at scouting or drafting quarterbacks. Sure, he's got a lot of experience scouting them. He's with the Ravens in 06, been with the Falcons since 08 to 21. Falcons haven't taken but two quarterbacks in that period. Of course, Matt Ryan in 08 and Sean Renfrey from Duke, seventh rounder in 13. So that's a hit. Got Kirk Cousins and uh, Matt Ryan as hits. And so then I just keep, I kept going back because Phil Emery and Rust and their national scouts, they've been around. And so I went through their draft records too. You know, Emery was with the Bears from 98 to 04. I'm not going to go through every single quarterback on, on these last two guys. Falcons 04 to 08, Kansas City 09 to 11, 
Bears general manager, 12 to 14, and been with the Falcons since 16. Uh, one I do, uh, Cade McNown, he was the 12th player taken overall in 99. He was the fifth quarterback. That was the Tim Couch, Donovan McNabb, Achilles Smith, and then Deontay Culpepper went 11th, and McNown went 12th. His record's in the story. That didn't work out so well. I didn't know what to do with Rex Grossman. He went first uh, overall, first first round, 22nd overall from Florida in 03. I didn't know what to do with him because he was a, he was a um, Super Bowl quarterback for the Bears when they played the Colts. Uh, so I mean that's you know he didn't he didn't last. He was hurt a lot, but he did start a Super Bowl. And then just some of the other people um, were Craig Crenshaw, uh Moses Moreno. You know, guys that the Bears drafted. Now, with the, he was with the Falcons when they drafted Schaub and DJ Shockley, DJ's seventh in 06, and then, of course, Matt Ryan in 08. He went to the Chiefs, Rick Stancy in 11, and uh, back with the Bears, David Falls from San Diego State. So, you got to you gotta figure Schaub and Ryan were hits. You know, Schaub's teams in the uh, Houston teams were good. Arian Foster doesn't get hurt that one year. They may be going to the, um, a deep playoff run. So I, I give them a hit for Schaub and Ryan to go with Cousins. Now, Webster was, uh, you know, started with Tampa Bay. So he's with uh, Rich McKay and Tim Rusko and all, all the Tampa Bay group, crew down there. And, um, you know, they hit on Dilfer, if you want to call that a hit. He had a winning record, 58-55, won a Super Bowl with Baltimore, uh, and then the rest of the people um, were, were not hits, uh, including, uh, you know, Todd Hamo. He was uh, uh, Sam Houston, Sam F. Austin. Sam F. Austin, them were two different schools, so I get that right. But that was a 12th round pick. Pat O'Hara, that's a USC 10th rounder. Mike Palowski from Cal in the 8th. Craig Erickson uh, in the 4th. So they took two quarterbacks in 92. But, you know, those were longer drafts. Now, 94, you got the seven-round seven draft that we have now. They got Dilfer, six overall. Uh, Sean King later in 99. Uh, Joe Hamilton from Georgia Tech. Uh, Hall of Famer here in Georgia. Uh, Win the seventh round. And then Chris Sims out of Texas in the third round. And so, uh, you know, that's his record. When he's in Seattle uh, with Ruska for a little while, they took Mike Till uh, out of Rutgers in the sixth. So he's in Tennessee during the, um, you know, the 10 to 15. 10, they took Rusty Smith out of Tulsa. And then the other, we went over to Tennessee draft picks with, um, during Arthur Smith's name. So those are the decision makers that are going to make a call on the quarterback. They, uh, it's been interesting since they've been here. Uh, you know, they, they got rid of, uh, well, they, A.J. McCarron was the preferred backup last year. He got injured. Uh, then they, um, Felipe Franks was drafted. They had him playing some tight end special teams things. Uh, Josh Rosen came in to be the backup. And then kind of they went to Felipe late in the season. Uh, had uh, Iron Man Matt Ryan. So they get rid of Matt. Well, they try to go to get Deshaun Watson. Uh, that doesn't work. And then uh, Matt uh, gets traded. So then they go sign Marcus Mariota. So that's where we stand with the quarterback project. 
I think that was an insightful. They've had some shots at quarterbacks, and, you know, it's a mixed bag. It's not any indictment on them, but, uh, you know, just picking a quarterback in this league is hard. About the only person that was nailing this thing, and, and I was trying to figure out why, was uh, Ron Wolf and Mike Holmgren in the 90s. And we, we've covered that before here on the Bowtie Chronicles where, you know, they had Brett Favre, but that didn't stop them from drafting Mark Brunel, Aaron, Aaron Brooks, uh, Ty Detmer. Uh, you know, they had Kurt Warner in camp at one time. You all see his movie. Uh, he didn't last long because uh, Mariucci tried to send him on to the field, and he was like, I don't know the playbook yet. And they were like, well, time for you to go home, buddy. And so, but, but yeah, they, and then they would develop the quarterbacks and when they got good, uh, near the end of their contract, they would trade them for picks. And so nobody's been stacking quarterbacks like that in the NFL since, uh, since the nineties. And I don't know why, uh, but I think it had a lot to do that Mike Holmgren knew what he was looking at. And Ron Wolf, uh, you know, didn't mind having the input Ron Wolf and Reggie McKenzie and all those guys up there. So, you know. They, I did all this work, and so we, you know, we talked to Arthur Smith about how hard it is uh, to look at the quarterback, and then we wanted to know, hey, coach, how do you evaluate the quarterback position? Well, I think there's a lot of different variables, and the one thing I think you can't be too critical on. I mean, people play offense a lot of different ways, right? That's the talent pool coming through, and and then so, you know, certainly you want to evaluate the decision making and accuracy. It's a big part. And then you evaluate the arm strength and, and how he fits and what you could do with him. So, you know, obviously decision-making accuracy is a big part of it. You know, those are hard things to, to fix. And the rest of it, you know, you, you see what's what's the best fit, what he's doing in his office, what he's being asked to do. I think that's one thing that gets overlooked. Is I think it's, it's easy just to criticize a guy. Well, he, I don't see him throw these routes. Well, they may never ask him to do that. But can he? does he have a pocket feel? Is he a good decision maker? Um, and is he accurate? I think you go from there, then you evaluate the arm strength, and, and there's a lot of other factors, but that's kind of where you start. Yeah, no question about it. That's consistent with our teachings here. Uh, I know Bill Musgrave, myself, and Steve Weiss were like, well, hey, you know, he doesn't have a big arm. He's like, the ball is where it's supposed to be. That's accuracy, decision making. Uh, that means, hey, if they're blitzing, I got a hot route. Can I get it out? Pocket feel. Uh, somebody's coming for you. You spin out of there. You know, um, those are things you can't teach. So if you're making bad decisions and you're inaccurate, that, that's, you know, that's two strikes against you. You don't even, you don't even get to arm strength. So you might have a good feel, but you might have a, a bad decision making on when to get out of there. And then if you do get out of there and you can't throw it on target, you know, that's a bad situation. And, um, you know, and then the arm strength is, you know, fourth. It's kind of, is it good enough? And, and, and what are they going to ask you to do? Do you fit the scheme? Uh, what is he asked to do? So um, those are good pillars on deciding on the quarterbacks. And with, you know, that much, that knowledge, they're not, they're, they're, they're done there doesn't appear to be a quarterback that has all that that you take at the eighth pick because, uh, you know, Pickers had a great uh, two seasons, give him the one other season. Uh, but the small hands, um, you know, he's uh, accurate, decision-making, pocket feel, uh, arm strength is, you know, maybe he's the one, but not an eight. And, and what kind of fit is he? So, 
that's why we, you know, we were breaking down these quarterbacks because they got to get one. Probably not in this draft, not a, not a franchise guy, but, you know, maybe they think they could develop them into one. So we've seen other guys get developed into uh, starters. So, of course, we cannot get ready for the draft when you only have 18 sacks uh, and you're last in the league and the next team is like 12 sacks ahead of you. So uh, you can't uh, get ready for the draft and not ask the Falcons about the edge rushers. And our guy Cameron Wolf, who's from NFL Network, was in town, and he asked Terry Fontenot about the edge rushing class. Yeah, again, without give, giving anything away, it's a it's a good class. Um, I think throughout, there are players at the top in that elite level. There are players throughout the draft and and, and even um, down at the bottom. So, uh, and that's such a unique position in that. It doesn't have to be one flavor. If you're a pressure player, you, you know, it, it can come different ways. And so, but I would say it's a, it's a strong class. Well, I hope everybody's all ready for the 2022 draft. The non-COVID restrictions, the teams got out to do all the interviews. The players got to come on their private meetings. Uh, we're going to see some outfits on, uh, on uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. You know, if you're into all that uh, pomp and circumstance of the draft, uh, y'all can have, have all that. I want to see if they're going to make this football team better. And, uh, oh, one last note before we get out of here. Coach Smith said I got the safeties wrong, and uh, I shouldn't have Corderell at wide receiver uh, in, in the uh, updated, uh, uh, updated depth chart. So we'll go revisit that. He shot me a text. I'm going to look at that now. I wanted to come in and get the podcast going and see what adjustments we have to make at the safety position. I read a little bit of it, something about left or right. They don't designate free or strong. But that's, yeah, I don't let them get away with that because they try to play like it's a defense with no rules. Um, no, but if you're you a safety cl- close to the line scrimmage, you're not the free safety. If you Unless you're Leroy Butler and they move you around like a chess piece. Um, if you're the guy back playing center field, you're the free safety. So, but I'll see what he says, and we'll make the changes accordingly. So, with that, um, we got a day of a bunch of interviews tomorrow, on, and then we're gonna get ready to cover the draft live from Flowery Branch. Uh, the Falcons uh, will probably pick around 9:40 on Thursday night. The draft starts at eight. They're gonna probably talk for about 20 minutes. Then it's 10 minutes a, a pick. With the eighth pick, they'll be an hour and 20 minutes in from the start if everybody takes their whole 10 minutes. And then uh, we'll be on our way with nine picks for the 2022 NFL Draft. Take care and have a great rest of your week. Ocean Breeze. Tropical Beach, Pina Colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on.
In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.